Welcome to the How to Raise Money podcast for anyone who wants to raise other people's money for a business or property venture. Right now, there has never been more money on the planet and there has never been more opportunity. This podcast will help you put the two together. So, if you need money for your business or property proposals from banks, lenders, angels, whales or dragons, this is the podcast for you. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the How to Raise Money podcast with me, Ray McLennan. And me, Nigel T. Best. Raymondo, how the devil are you today, my good man? You keep asking me, I should just probably say same old, same old, you know, uh, except it never is, is it? It's not the same old, same old. There's, it's the, the roller coaster of life, Nigel. <laughs> exactly. There used to be a radio DJ, and when people used to say that to him, he said, my health is not the issue we are discussing or, or something like that. It, it, it just moved on. And yeah. You were always left bamboozled as to whether he was hanging on by a thread or he was all right. Yeah. All right. So we're going to talk today about banks, <laughs> our favorite subject. There's a thing. Come on. If you're listening out there and you're a banker, come on, come on. De- you debate with us let's get an interview going. I'm still reaching out to a couple of people and trying to get past their firewalls. And when I say a couple of people, I mean, you know, quite high up in banks who might be well known. I'm not talking about the governor of the Bank of England or anything like that. But, but you know, people who may have been in the press and have, have a thing or two to say. Uh, but getting past their gatekeepers is, is, is yeah, a um, challenge. I, I know. I, I phoned the bank um, a couple of weeks ago to, uh, to try and do that, try and find out uh, if someone can talk. And, and let me just check. Yeah, I'm still on hold. Um, so there we go. Uh, yeah, it's Ray. This episode, it's one of the things we have both. Um, I got confirmation yesterday that mine went through last week and was confirmed. But a lot of people will be in this situation where you are applying for a loan from the bank. Maybe it's refinancing. Maybe it's first time. Maybe it's secured on assets. Maybe it's on your business. Maybe it's discussions about how to redo things in light of bounce back loans, um, you know, and all the business recovery loans and things like that. And a lot of people who are looking to raise money, it's one of the most obvious first choices to go to, isn't it? The banks, the big banks. And it's, and they always sort of come to you and they they do to me, I'm sure they do in, in spades for you, Ray, they come to you and they sort of say, what do the banks want? And uh, we've got a we've got a list. We're going to do some of these um, here today. And um, yeah, Ray. I mean, the background to it. I, I think it's important to have a background to it because episode one two nine that we did, where we talked about the economic clock. Yeah. On that clock, it talks about. And if you haven't heard that episode, go back in and have a listen to it this bit might make a bit more sense but essentially it's it's like a clock face and as we go through the economic cycle imagine it's the hands of the clock going around the clock mm-hmm. face and it goes some of the stages go from very very easy uh credit you know you can borrowing is easy it's it's fairly simple to do and, it, and right the way through to incredibly strict very difficult to get finance mm-hmm. And it might be one of the indicators as to where we are on that economic cycle. Yeah. So, Ray, what are your thoughts about how easy it is to get money from banks? But what, you know, many people would say is a is a pretty safe and secure bet or relatively low risk. 
how how are you finding it at the moment? Is is the borrowing that you're seeing out there for people is it commensurate with good strong projects, low risk, good cash flows? Is the money coming from the banks nice and easily? Uh, well, in short, uh, well, not to say short. I don't want to give you the answers just straight away. But um, I think going back to the economic clock and banks. There are consequences to things. So if, for example, there's easier money around, that tends to lead to rising property values. Rising property values tends to lead to rising interest rates, which tends to lead to falling share prices because they all have the consequences, which tends to lead to falling commodity prices, which tends to lead to tighter money, which tends then to lead to the price of property going down, interest rates coming down. That means that share prices will go up and commodity prices will go up. They, these things happen. They've happened for 2,000 years, but more recently in the last few hundred years, you see all that playing out. So at the moment, we're in a strange situation where, and in the UK anyway, and in other parts of the world, there's a lot of money out there. Of course, there's a lot of money out there. 20% of all the money ever created was printed in the last couple of years. So it's, it's all there somewhere. Now, the inevitable consequence of too much money around means interest rates, sorry, means inflation goes up. And they think that the way to counter inflation is to put interest rates up. And you just see this played out. And if you look at the headlines now, the headlines that are there now in the press could have been written in 1873, or they could have been written in 1928, or they could have been written in 1971, or they could have been written in, you know, 1999, or whenever all these last you know, just preceding the last slumps were, um, because it's it's as inevitable as, as night and day. Now, what's happening at the moment with prices going up is because people are being advised by their uh, financial advisors, uh, companies like Hargreaves, Lansdowne, that sort of thing, are saying to people, look, take, take your cash and buy assets, buy assets, heritable property, which is, I mean, being Scottish, that's what we call it, heritable property means as the Americans would call real estate, um, houses, commercial buildings, you know, factory units, whatever it happens to be. Because when inflation goes up, the value of your money will go down, but the value of your asset will go up on paper. And it's not that things are more expensive, it's that the value of the currency is actually dropping, is lower. So that, that, that's just kind of, it's economics 101. And whenever I watch these talking heads on the TV or see articles in the paper, it's like they're all making it as if it's, this is something new. You know, oh, my God, we can't believe inflation. How on earth are we allowing this to go out of control? It's something must be done. And the whataboutery comes around and everyone starts pointing the finger at Boris or Richie Sunak or whoever else they want to, to blame that particular day. Although it's Boris that's in the firing line at the moment um, for many, many things. But anyway... So uh, there's a lot of money available, but does that mean it's easier? And going back to your question about banks, I think that it, there is definitely some uh, hymn sheet that goes around, some ripple effect. So I don't know if it's the Bank of England, it probably is, the Bank of England sends a memo to every single chief exec of every single lending institution and says, right, this is it. Here's your, here's your instructions. These are your orders for the next month. <laughs> or something like that goes out. Yeah, you can't beat um, likening the uh, Bank of England to uh, the Nazis. I, yeah. I never said that. <laughs> I just did it in a German accent. I'll have you know, by Is the way. Is that what it was? <laughs> I'll have you know, by the way, 
um, I, I received a compliment uh, in, a, in a WhatsApp and a messenger message from someone for my Italian accent on restaurants <laughs> that we did in a previous episode. So uh, anyway, no, the only reason I said it in a German accent is when you're giving out orders or instructions, it seems to have some kind of gravitas. And I'm sure, well, I know, actually, because I spoke to one guy who works in a bank who declined to be named or come onto this program. But he said he can't, when he gets instructions, he can't help but read them in a German accent. <laughs> it just somehow makes it more palatable. <laughs> anyway. Well, I, I was going to say, right, look, before we get down, uh, something that will get us void <laughs> we'll off. We'll get cancelled. <laughs> yeah. Um, and something like that. Folks, go back to episode number 38, where we met up with Levi Roots and interviewed him there because he's was one of the most successful uh, people ever to pitch in Dragon's Den. And it was a, a really interesting, revealing insight into uh, into his mindset, where he was at, his history, um, where he felt he was and where he uh, managed to get to, which uh, which is tremendous. But um, and, and that, that interview is a little bit of background noise because it took place in his restaurant. <laughs> yeah, it, it is called a restaurant. Um, and it's, it's great. It's, it's in the... Um, if, if you've ever been, I'll give him a, a plug because uh, I really enjoyed it. Food was great. Um, it's in the bit that they kind of redeveloped for the London 2012 Olympics, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, that, that sort of complex all around the Come out of the stadium and you walk across the bridge and there's a big shopping yeah. center there. Yeah, so it's a good location to go anyway. Um, and hopefully it's all doing well. Come out of uh, lockdown and COVID and all the rest of it successfully. But yeah, very interesting. But I was going to say, Ray, we, you know, we, we've kind of gone down the stereotype route here and, and we're doing the stereotypes really for banks as well. And mm -hmm. uh, we're not trying to this episode and other episodes, we're not trying to reinforce um, stereotypes of, of banks being horrible institutions that only want to see you wallow in misery and fail and fail and seize all your assets, sell them at uh, bargain inflated prices, uh, you know, and ruin your life. No, that's not that's not what we're talking about here with banks. What we want to do is want to go through these things, because although you think to yourself, there's more than enough money out there, you've got to sometimes put yourself in their shoes uh, for a minute and they're looking at it and maybe they're looking at the economic clock. Maybe they're looking at something that we don't know. Maybe they've got some insight from the Bank of England or other metrics that are out there, other analytics, econometrics, uh, and they're analyzing things and they're saying, do you know what? We, we're, we're here. We think we're here. Now that means that we've got to do this um, and we've got to be a bit stringent um, and stricter on these sort of things, these elements. And what we want to do here is, is go through some of the typical things that banks want and some of the things that we've come across that we weren't expecting that have um, just upped the level of information and satisfaction that the bank needs in order to make a decision. For me, one of the hardest things is over this uh, coronavirus COVID times is they're not in the office. They don't mm. want to meet you face to face. Uh, they certainly, uh, one of my questions was, because it was clear the person I was talking to wasn't the decision maker, I was saying, who did make this decision? And they, they named, you know, a person in the credit. I said, right, okay, I'd like a meeting with them, please. Uh, and I was met with horror, gasp. It was an audible gasp, followed by the words, but they don't meet people. 
And I went, oh, okay. Well, how about they do? I said, because if someone's making a decision, I'd like to be able to chat to them to find out how they justified it because I think they've got the information wrong and I think the decision is incorrect. And if you're not the person that's making that decision, I'd like to talk to them. So it, it was, I never did, but it is this weird thing of information flows. We all know in, in this game, raising money, property, business, the more parties you have involved, the more complicated, convoluted, you know, time-wasted um, the whole process is, and it becomes very difficult. And one of the things that you've got to do in all of this, folks, is try and get as much of this information ready, prepped, and in the format that they want, so that if, if you don't, they start then passing it to someone else who gets involved for a comment. And, bit, and if you've got part information what you find is more and more people get involved in the decision and the whole thing just goes slower it's like the courts of chancery and bleak house uh, there's there's one fraudable um charles dickens bleak house uh the case of jarndyce and jarndyce uh it, it's one of those things where you feel that oh they say there'll be a decision this week and uh, 40 years into the case there is no decision still it's one of those things. So, Ray, I think it's probably, you know, time that we, we jump in and just hit some of the things that banks want, demand, uh, expect, and uh, things that you've got to get ready. So should we, yeah. should we dive into those? Yeah, okay. Um, well, the first one would be is, is they always want security. Um, you know, yes, they will lend money, but they want security. Um, and so ideally, you or you or your business have to have some kind of hard assets that, that, that can actually bank up, uh, back up a business loan. So let's talk about business loan rather than uh, residential mortgages. So a business loan. But your own uh, home could still be something that is uh, you, that you could pledge. So and they're going to make, you know, they're going to look very carefully at these assets to make sure that they reduce the risk. So, you know, they're going to want to see surveys. They're going to want to see, uh, yeah, recent a recent survey, a re recent written survey from a firm of surveyors. Now, before you go out and, and get that done, my advice to you is make sure that the surveyor is someone that the bank recognise. In other words, they will say he's on their panel, and they'll never disclose who is on their panel, but they'll definitely tell you if someone is not on their panel. So usually what the bank will do is they'll say to you, okay, we need a valuation of this business, which you will pay for. Um, and the bank will then say, here, here is a list of five surveyors, whatever it was, take your pick, take your pick, whichever one you want. We recently did that. We were looking to get a valuation on a property, property uh, allegedly worth, uh, when I say allegedly, it fluctuates, doesn't it? Um, at that time, though, it was worth anything from 2.5 to 3.2 million, depending on who you spoke to. And when we approached the three companies, we said, okay, first of all, can you do it? Can you do it within the time scale? Because it needs to be done within the next 30 days, ideally 14 days. Uh, and how much will it cost? And three of them came back and one of them said they couldn't do it within the 30 days. Um, but if we still wanted to get it done, it would cost, I think it was something like 9,000 pounds or something. Then another one came back and said, yes, they could do it. And it was going to be 6,000 pounds. And then another one came and said, yes, we're available to do it next week. And it was going to be £3,000. Same thing. Same thing. So it's a bit like, you know, when you get a, a, 
a builder in to look at your property, if you get three builders in, you know, there's always one doesn't want to do it. So it gives you the most ridiculous price that you're definitely going to reject because he's turned up, he's done his thing and he's looked at it and he's gone, yeah, okay. Licked his finger, stuck it in the air and went, yeah, this will be a hundred grand. Then you get someone a bit closer to the reality and says it's going to be 50,000. Then you get the one that does the real detailed work that says it's going to be 30 odd or whatever it was. And we all know, well, with builders, you, you get the 30 got odd thousand pound one to do and it ends up costing 50 because of extra stuff. But anyway, with these valuations, um, that's that's how it worked. So, and you have to pay for it. So, you know, you have to pay for it. Uh, I should say there was also a time when the bank uh, had come back to us and said, well, we have a surveyor here and he has quoted us. In other words, the bank, you know, ridiculous money. And when we went to them direct without making any reference to the building or anything, the price they gave to us was a lot less than they quoted the bank. So we felt that, mm, could it be, and let's, not, let's be fair, maybe it wasn't a bank, maybe it was a lender. Could it be that they've padded that a little bit? You know, they've charged us a fee of, you know, nine, but they'll only pay half to the actual surveyor. Is that possible? Do you think that happens, Nigel? Could it be true? <laughs> right. I don't know. Yeah, interesting, because I've we've just been through something very similar. But just a quick sort of nod to the past and the way things were done. Our experience with our dear old friends, the RBS, back in the day of uh, of madness and lunacy, um, they came in and said, uh, we're looking at your account and we think you're a bit, you know, tight on cash flow. And uh, we sort of went, well, Okay, yeah, you've seen it, but we're still we're still paying, we're still managing, everything's fine. And they went, yes, yes, we, we think that that's the case, but we'd like another valuation. Oh, okay, um, yes, and we. I said, right, okay, give me give me some names. I'll go away and, and find someone. And uh, and they said, no, 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 we've we've appointed someone, um, and uh, and they're coming on a particular date. And, I, you know, they're coming a week on Thursday. It's so-and-so will be coming. And uh, there we go. Oh, by the way, we've already taken the money from your account. <laughs> so that was, I think, £4,500 plus VAT, which completely screwed our cash flow for a couple of weeks while we scrabbled around to do it. We then got a mention from the bank saying, we've noticed that your, your cash flow has taken, taken a dip. Can you explain why? <laughs> and, I, and we went, yeah, because you shoved your hand in it and took out a, a great wad of cash, you plonkers. And, <laughs> and they sort of went, oh, let's go. We'll go away and have a look at that. Um, anyway, up turns this fella for the valuation. And uh, I happened to know his boss. And so I was chatting to him before he came in. And I said, oh, you know, this valuation wasn't done that long ago what uh, what are you thinking it should be now you know have things moved on that much and he said hold on a minute let me just find out uh, what the bank told me it had to be and he <laughs> flicked through some papers and he went oh here it is i said is there any point you getting out of the card he went not really and and that was about it four and a half grand plus vat thank you very much and and you just think oh my goodness so folks if you're in a situation like this the valuation is potentially an extremely painful moment in your working week because ouch it hurts however this time around ray for just renewing a loan going back out so it's five years since evaluation i can appreciate a bank is going to want something so just in terms of valuations folks if it's not within relatively recent history um and as ray says if it's not from a firm 
whom the bank engage, then they will dismiss it and, and request a new one. So although you may have gone out and got one and paid for it, uh, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's someone you know, paid 1500 quid, they've produced a perfectly acceptable report, apart from it's not acceptable to the bank in these circumstances, and you will have to go out and do it again. So as Ray says, don't spend money on surveys, valuations that are not going to be accepted by your financial lending institution. But we we had a conversation. The bank bank guy said, look, guys, you need a valuation. He said, um, I can get three people to quote for you from our panel, um, and you just let me know which one you want to choose. And this is all done in email sort of thing. And I emailed him back and I said, we choose the cheapest. Um, tell us when he's coming. And, yeah. and he sort of, he sent one back saying, how do you mean? I said, look, we're not in control of this valuation. We probably would disagree with everything that everyone ever does in them. Um, and why would we pay more to have the same conversation? Unless we're going to get all three and then compare and pick the best valuation and submit that. I said, that's pointless. I said, but the trouble is, although we pay the, the surveyor, the valuer, we kind of are not really the customer. And it's this bizarre situation where I, when the valuer came around, I said, okay, do we get a copy of this report? Because previous ones that have cost a lot of money, the bank have effectively withheld it and just given us the headline figure. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, I have to ask permission from the bank to do that, but I will, and I'll send you the full report. And I thought, wow, what a situation. You are being told you've got to pay thousands of pounds for evaluation, and you've almost got to plead for a copy of the report. But there's not a lot you can do. So I disputed a number of the facts in the valuation. It wasn't amended. The bank took the valuer's point of view, even though it was incorrect in, in certain aspects, materially incorrect in certain aspects. Mm -hmm. And that led to um, probably six weeks of arguing and further information being requested to prove my point rather than the valuers. Uh, and it, it's, it's a really weird thing. So, okay, folks, you, you're buying a mortgage, you get a home buyer's report. It's a few hundred quid and you sort of look at it and go, yeah, okay, fine. And, and you move on and it's not, uh, it's nothing that significant, uh, you know, from your point of view. When it comes to commercials and these big valuations, oh my goodness, it, it changes. And, and these documents are extremely important because if that, um, if that valuation comes in a little bit below what you thought and what you're needing to borrow steps you above the 55%, 60%, 65% loan to value, it can have a, a really significant and material effect on your interest rate, your terms, Indeed. your ability to get it. So it is important. It is important, folks. Um, it's also, it's all, also, when you say about important, um, it reminds me of there was a hotel chain and they were doing all right. This has gone back a few years, you know, sort of mid 90s, early 2000s. They were doing all right. Hotel chain, about 40 or 50 properties. And they had some bank borrowing, but their cash flow was good, all was well. And then they had a, a routine revaluation of the estate. And lo and behold, they came back and, you know, revalued it much lower. 
that had a massive knock-on effect because it then went to the according to the balance sheet and nothing had changed right? properties were still there they were in good condition plenty of clients coming through the door cash flow good profits good but the revaluation suddenly threw everyone into a panic nothing had changed except the number on that balance sheet and that just caused a, a domino effect a knock-on effect which eventually led to the the company uh, being taken over so you know the, the valuation is important it's important for, for that reason, you might not agree with it, but unfortunately, that's it. So in terms... Yeah. Uh, just, on, just on that valuation, we, we had um, our friends at the RBS walk in one day um, and, and say... Um, Other uh, banks we, are available. Yeah, uh, well, this is back to their, their heyday of the, uh, you know... Let's CRG. Steal, yeah, let's stiff everybody and, and steal their assets. Um, but they came in and, and said, uh, we've taken an opinion that the valuation on the balance sheet is incorrect we've uh, changed it and you're technically insolvent. And, <laughs> and, and they said to me, could you repay the mortgage? We say, yeah, we do every month. And they went, no, today. I went, <laughs> you've got control of our bank accounts. You see how much money we've got. Obviously, we can't do that. Why? Well, and, and that's what spiraled into, uh, yeah, um, a series of events. As Lemony Snicket said, uh, a series of unfortunate events. Um, so it, it's just it's bizarre. So the valuation, folks, you know, going back to uh, when it all went wrong and people were taking mortgages at 100 percent, 110 percent. That is fine if the valuation still creeps up. That economic clock says, hang on, valuations might not creep up all the time and they might just go down next time, which means you might only be able to borrow 70%. And that's what left a whole load of people with properties that fundamentally hadn't changed. Mm -hmm. In 10 years time, we're going to be fine. But at that point in time, they were trying to crystallize financial positions. And then they were saying, okay, you did borrow 100,000 on this property, we've downvalued it, we'll only lend you 65 now. So we'll roll the mortgage onto this new one at 65. Where's the other 35 grand? And that's what left everyone short. So that's yeah. that's the problem. So, you know, in the, in it, it's funny, Ray, isn't it? When you talk to people and the house prices, property prices are, are constantly going up and have been for a number of years, people forget that they can go down as well. Mm -hmm. And they leverage to the maximum, but don't look at a time horizon to lock that loan in for mm -hmm. long enough so that when it comes to be revalued, if you said, right, okay, if that goes down 25%, when I, that gets revalued, have I paid off enough? Will my new loan to value be still at a decent rate for a bank to refinance? So always have in the back of your mind that pessimistic, things will crash, things will go down. Um, it's going to be bad when I next sort of renew my mortgage, next renew my commercial loan in, in five years' time. Always consider that, folks. Always consider it. And I think, Ray, I think banks are looking at that at the moment. And, and they're saying, you know, what's the effect on cash flow over the next five years of this business? What's the effect, the, the, you know, staking everything on the valuation at the moment? In five years, do we think that valuation is going to be in a, you know, on the crest of a depression? Um, or, you know, is it going to be riding high sort of thing? So I, th I think there's an element of that. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, in terms of security, we mustn't overlook other forms of security. 
um, such as invoice financing. If you're, you know, the, if you're not a property company, you're a manufacturing company or other form of business who invoices, or even your services company who invoices, then you will have uh, invoices that are out there due to be paid in 30, 60, 90 days, whatever the terms are. Uh, that can be an asset. There are invoice financing companies you can go to. Um, uh, Bibby Factors, there are many more, but I, I remember, remember dealing with Bibby, B-I-B-B-Y Factors as being quite good. Um, they're big in shipping and containers and all that sort of carry on, but they have an invoice financing section where you can go and say, okay, well, we've got £100,000 worth of invoices out there right now, and we need some of that money, or, you know, or... or our clients will pay, but they're not going to pay for 30 days and we need some money now. So you can you can probably get 50% of that, maybe as high as 80%, depending on the type of business that, that's there. And there's also um, work in progress. So professional services firms, usually on their balance sheet, have a work in progress figure. Um, and that can sometimes, I, I know from uh, personal experience of dealing with professional services firms that can act as security for an overdraft, for example. So uh, there are different forms of security and not necessarily always requiring surveyors, but your accounts will certainly need to be checked and verified before they will advance any form of invoice financing or work in progress financing. Yeah, or stock, stock material, anything like that. You know, one of the things you know i've got ray i've got this warehouse full of fidget spinners um i'll, I'll sell you it for two million um you know it, it's it's one of these things where are you in the cycle product life cycle where are you you may have got those fidget spinners at you know got them at 50p each and at the time they were worth 10 quid you didn't shift them and now you mm. you know you might get a penny for yeah. each so it's, it's metal value or something yeah, so you've got to be careful on that. And um, certainly my my old days of uh, when I used to do audits and used to go around and, and check the stock and do stock takes, although they were, oh, those were the days. Normally a Saturday morning, it'd be freezing cold and you'd be wandering around some yard measuring steel or something like that. It was, yeah, happy days. Uh, but you would be looking at those things because they'd, they'd have a book value. And they'd be saying, oh, this is worth, you know, we've got a million quid of the stuff out in, in the yard. And you'd go out and you'd go, all right, <laughs> you, well, which bit of the yard? Because I, I, I see about 30 grand's worth. Uh, oh, it's on the back of a lorry at the moment. Uh, it'll be back in in a minute. And it, it'd, be, it'd be one of those games that you'd play and say, okay, it, it's probably not a million. Give us a better figure. And, and that's what, you know, if you're going to get a loan on that, they will come around and they'll do it. Or they'll send some people in to do it for you. So, or, or, they'll, or they'll send stuff from one yard to the other. <laughs> oh, that's gone okay. round. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. let's not forget the banks used to do that many years ago when banks were tied to the gold standard. They had to hold a certain amount of uh, specie, I think they called it, coin, gold coins. And it was not unknown for them to have a chest with gold coins in it, but only on the top layer. And underneath, if you dug down underneath, there might be blocks of lead or nails or something like that. But they would say, well, that's a chest containing a million dollars worth of gold. And there was $30,000 worth on the top. <laughs> so banks you, have a, I, a track on. record as well. Yeah, are you saying the banks are less than honest? No, surely not. Sure, surely some mistake. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but there we go, folks. So look, there's, there's many ways to uh, get the security. And... One of the things that we, we kind of mentioned and uh, we've mentioned before is you then get into personal guarantees and you, you start doing other things whereby you start using, uh, as you say, other, other 
aspects, other things that you own, other other things that you have a control over or a share in, um, whether it's personally or through other businesses. So be prepared when when the banks are sort of saying, oh, we want to know stuff. They really do want to know stuff. They want to know what else is uh, have you got up your sleeve? What else have you got uh, in your name? And um, yeah, that might be then dragged into the equation when they look at lending you stuff. So have it all available. You don't necessarily need to reveal it unless you're, it's asked for. So if, mm-hmm. if, if the loan doesn't require personal guarantees, don't start telling them you've got you know this, that, and the other. Because as soon as you do, I guarantee that they will suddenly have a, a review of your file and, mm-hmm. and take a, ask for a personal guarantee. Yep. So, so you know, it, it's a game, isn't it, Ray? It's a bit of a game. <laughs> it's a bit of a game, is this? It's a and game and the, like a game like any other, there are rules. And if you follow the rules, you might score a goal. <laughs> yeah, if you understand the rules better than everyone else, the chances are you will be, play that game better than they will. So anyway, here we go. Let's carry on with a couple of the rules. So uh, business plan. Um, yeah. This is something, Ray, that... Uh, always makes me smile and grimace in in the same way a bit like a a picture of harrison ford Uh, and if you're wondering what the hell is he talking about harrison ford you know if you if you put your hand over half of someone's face it's amazing how asymmetrical people's faces are well harrison ford with one image if you put your hand over one half he'll be smiling at you if you put your hand over the other he's he's frowning at you he's, he's really quite remarkable go go and do it go and do it folks it's great fun um but that's how i feel about a business plan yes you need one but i see so many people spend so much time on a business plan and then put it in the drawer and never actually look at it it's not a practical document and i see other people and again whenever i've sort of been out into businesses and seen how people operated. I've seen incredibly successful businesses who didn't mm-hmm. have a plan at all. Yep. Now, somewhere in the middle is what the bank requires as well as what would be useful for you. Um, and it's, it's one of these things, isn't it, Ray? I, I think your business plan should effectively be summarized in terms of uh, what's the problem people are facing? Do they know it? Do you have the solution? Can you provide the solution? And will they pay for that solution at a profit to you as a business? Mm-hmm. And if if you can sort of show those points and make it a compelling sort of argument, then you'd say, okay, I think I think you've got a you know the basis of a business here. The more important things, and we always talk about this, Ray, is have you made any sales? Because you can have the best plan in the world, but if you don't sell anything, you ain't got a business. So, you know, there's this balance between uh, a a 200-page, superbly indexed business plan and uh, no sales and um, loads of sales and a a plan that's on the back of a fag packet. Mm. Uh, and, And the bank, I don't know, what are you finding the banks are wanting at the moment in terms of a plan? Well, uh, yes, they want a business plan. Um, they don't provide templates for it or anything like that, but you can get templates for it. And uh, they, they need to see something because it's a box that needs to be ticked, you know, that you've, you've taken the thoughts that are in your head and you've put them down on paper. I'm looking at one that I quite liked, actually. It's quite a good one. I don't know if you can see that, but um, it's, it's a sort of visual representation. It has a road 
um, and going th at each step of the day as a date, and then it's the number of properties they want to have. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. and then there's a couple of other things they want to have. And um, I also showed shared that with a business recently, and he decided to do it, and he did something very very similar. So he did he did you can see there my vision it's called, yeah. and he's got the road, and you can see vans. This is a a company. That's the number of vans he wants to have. Um, and then there's the calendar there, and then you can see there's bags, little bags with amounts of money in it. So, so that, effectively, that was, attached, that was attached to the written document. Yeah. So I effectively, found, so page um, one was, was this visualization. Because which was what, what do they say? A picture paints a thousand words, and, and often, often a plan can be very dry, uh, mm. very cold, very hard to get under the skin of it. Now, Ray, we're we're busy putting together a. Uh, a combination of things for people, which is, um, you know, depending on where you are, um, what you have to consider when you're putting a business together. So some of the things that you have to consider about how to structure a business, what, what you need, how you put it together. And we're going to be sharing how you can put these plans together, how you can pull in the information that's needed, how you can present it. We're going to have some uh, templates in there. So that's coming soon. So keep an eye out for that folks because we're getting uh, a number of people who are looking for help with uh, in the food industry so restaurants and things we're having a number of people in the property who are saying look how do i do this how do i structure it this is what i'm wanting to do and other sort of business startups or family businesses they're wanting to do so we're going to put together some uh, some help there for people that'll be coming uh, later this year and uh, if you're interested in that, if you want to know more about that, just drop us an email, uh, hello at htrmoney.co.uk, and uh, we'll put you on the list and we'll keep you posted on that. But it, it is this thing, Ray, in, in the old days, the business plan was the be all and end all. Mm. It was enormous. Yeah. It was yeah. enormous. Um, and the one that always got me whenever I went to uh, apply for a loan was the emphasis they placed on historic information. Um, and the, the plan was used as, as the kind of forward-looking uh, vision as to whether that business was, was going the right way or not. And I always used to think that that's really weird because that business plan was written before you know they've done a bit of trading. The historic stuff is by no means an indication. So here we are, I've sold all these fidget spinners, I'm making a fortune and they go, this is amazing. I've got a warehouse full of them. You know, my business plan says I want a full warehouse of widget, uh, fidget spinners and uh, we're gonna, you know, make a fortune next year. And the bank goes, yeah, yeah, I'm happy with that. Always amazed me that they didn't take a view as to what the market for fidget spinners was like. <laughs> and they based it on historic info, historic info and a strong business plan. And somehow common sense went out the window. Mm. I think now we're finding that they are coronavirus has suddenly focused uh, banks' minds on what sector are they in? How well do they think have they coped with coronavirus pandemic lockdowns? And what's our opinion as to that sector moving forward? Mm. Uh, so I think I've noticed that the banks are asking much more less about a business plan now and more about uh resilience coping uh shocks to the system uh what you're doing to do this how the market's reacted so they're actually thinking and, and asking for you know 
much more the practical which way is the market going type information i don't know if you've noticed the same but that's that's been our experience uh, yes, very much so. Um, we'll talk about that in some uh, later points about dealing with the banks, but because uh, there's a couple of things that yeah, they're chucking in right. there now that they never used to do in the past, but that will come up. Um, we were going to call this, what we were going to call this, 13 things you need to know, 14, 3, 5, I don't know. We're only on number two. <laughs> Just let's, let's call it things that the banks demand. Things that um, the banks demand, and yeah, then we'll and, and figure then it out a number be, later. <laughs> yeah, the next the next episode will be more things the banks demand. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, so because, we've covered because we're finding stuff. At, right. We're we're literally getting feedback every day from people going, "Oh, that's new. Yeah. That's interesting." Yep. Um, you know, and and these things without this information, without you having the answer to it, are holding up uh, deals being done. Right. Well, we're covering some of the historical. Uh, things that banks always look for so we so far we've just covered security and we've covered business plans but there's a lot to come some interesting headings to come further down the line in the next episode of the podcast which will be more things that the bank needs to know all right well i've been ray mclennan i'm still nigel t best oh, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> thank you leave it listening. on a cliffhanger <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening and goodbye see you later Thank you for listening to the How to Raise Money podcast. It's made for people who want to raise money as debt or investment equity for their business or property proposal or empire. See you next time, where we can show you how to raise money. There is abundance. There is money enough for everyone on the planet. The question is, who has yours?